the Blue Jays want him up now as well. You know what I mean? Like, he's a player who can help their team. I also remember digging in with the tongue depressor and getting peanut butter on your knuckles. I enjoy talking about uh, Vlad and Kevin and Bo and anybody, anybody wants to talk about. Welcome to another episode of Digging In with JP and CB. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne. And today we have AAA manager Bobby Meacham on the line as our guest, a guy who has seen... You know, the, the future of the Blue Jays in a sense. I mean, literally with Vladdy, but a lot of the other guys who are going to be a big part of what this team wants to do over the next couple of years, we're going to have to ask him about Vladdy. I know he's sick of hearing that name probably from anyone asking him a question. I know Montoyo's gotten to that spot already, and he hasn't even managed Vladdy yet. So Meacham has probably been through the ring with that, but we also, we got to do what we got to do. And he's a guy who's, you know, he's been involved with player development for a long time. He's seen a lot of guys come up, and he's got a good perspective. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, is he sick about hearing about it? That's the one thing for me. I don't know if he's he, if he'd be sick about it, right? Because I think this is something that, he, as a manager, if I'm managing Vladdy, I think it's got to be a super special guy to talk about. I think it's got to be a super special guy to watch him work because I feel like this is one of those one-of-ones, right? It's like if you had Mike Trout. How did I, how did I manage Mike Trout? How did I get to – I got this. So I think that he's actually probably – I mean, at least I would really enjoy the process of having him and getting to speak about one of these players because who knows, right? One day down the line, you know, the way that it, it projects, right? Let's say Vladdy's a Hall of Fame type of guy like his father. Then you're saying, dude, I, you know, I helped groom that kid. I helped be a part of that guy's development. So, I, you know, I think that he he, he have to enjoy it, right? And, he, and you have a front seat to watching – the best player in minor league baseball right now, I think it's undoubtedly. You get to watch Kevin Biggio. You get to watch Bo Bichette. You get to watch all these young guys, Reese McGuire, all these young guys that are supposed to be major leaguers, and there's a young prospect team as opposed to there's not a ton of old veteran, you know, triple-A upset guys. Like, this is a cool triple-A team to be able to be watching every day. So I imagine that he really enjoys it and takes a lot of pride in making sure that he gets these guys ready. So that when they get when they get to the major leagues, they're ready and they know what to expect and they and they can just hit the ground and running. I think that's a good point about the nature of this AAA team. You've talked about your AAA experiences on this show a fair amount, but there are a lot of AAA teams out there that are veterans who believe that they should be in the big leagues, or they're just guys who are you know you know the ninth guy out of the bullpen. So when someone or two people get injured, that's who they're going to call it. Like they're kind of reserve players for the big league team in a sense and they're you know they often say that double a is where the real prospects are well when it comes to the blue jays triple a is where the real prospects are so he's done triple a meacham has for quite a few years this is going to be a different experience for him yeah and that's what again you know you go to the yard every day and i know that i get to coach those guys i'm pretty excited to to see how i can what i can say what i can do how can I teach these guys in-game situations so that when they get to the major leagues, they're ready and they've been there in a sense of how we've, you know, kind of grown them, right? You know, something happens during a game, I could pull Vladdy aside or Kevin aside and go, hey, listen, man, this is what I think you need to really take about this situation. You should have done this. This will help you later on down the line when you're in the major leagues and, and even in just, just playing baseball in general. And so – I, I think it's a cool position. And, yes, AAA sucks, man. It's not a cool place for a lot of people. I mean, imagine for Vlad and these young guys, right? Like, they're at the, you're at the cusp, and it's tough to not 
keep it on your mind all the time, especially like, listen, you can answer the question and say, no, nah, you know, I'm focused at the task at hand, blah, blah, blah. But listen, man, you grow up as a bit, as a kid dreaming to be a major leaguer. You don't grow up about being a triple A player. So these guys can like almost grab that dream that they've been you know, dreaming about forever. So it's inevitable, right? They're going to think about it, but it's a cool time to be because it's a young triple A team with a lot of young prospects, which again, like, you know, I've alluded to AAA sucks when you play with a bunch of bitter old guys, and this is not what that team is. And so, um, it's, it'll be fun to you know be a part of it and watch these guys you know move up to through the ranks. So normally on the show, we like to start by talking about kind of the biggest news item in Blue Jays land of the day or of the time we're recording. And in this case, I feel a little bit resonant to do it because it really is people talking about Vlad Jr. when he's going to get called up. Is it Tuesday? Is it Friday? Is it going to be pushed back even farther? There's, you know, reporters. Yeah, the, super, the, super two, the super two things are already done. Yeah, the, the service time is not a consideration. Like I've said this before, I've written this. The Blue Jays want him up now as well. You know what I mean? Like he's a player who can help their team. All that stuff is in the past. That doesn't mean we should forget it. I think it's going to be very easy to forget what the Blue Jays did to Vladdy when everything's going well. I think it's important to remember the things that – what the, the players are doing to the sorry the, the teams are doing to the players especially when CBA talks come around but putting that aside for a second there's reports left right and center to be honest I'm not 100% sure what we should be believing what the exact day should be I think we're both excited to see this happen whether it's Tuesday whether it's Friday but I don't want to go too far into it because I don't want to uh, be putting any misinformation out there you know you might trust someone who said it was Tuesday more than you trust someone who says Friday it's going to happen. By the next time we record, it probably will have happened already. And even if it hasn't, it's, you know, it's going to happen in that intervening time between that one and the next one. Two or three podcasts in the future, it will have happened already. Yeah, can I, and I, I'm going to be a little uh, skeptical here. I think that it's not going to happen as quick as people think. And this is my thought process in that. Brandon Drury is starting to swing the bat. And it's not that Brandon Drury is going to be your third baseman of the future. I think that he's a good player, and I think that he can help out. But if Brandon's jury is struggling, 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 you bring Vlad up, and I think it's a pretty easy move, right? Now that Brandon's jury is starting to swing the bat, he's showing the signs of life, the guy that you know was supposed to be the starting third baseman for the Yankees, all this stuff. Now Vlad comes up, he becomes expandable. He becomes maybe a guy that teams are like, you know what? We want this guy. We see value. We, you know, he's he's starting to get going. How can he help us out? There's a lot of teams that could use a, an infielder. You know, some teams may value him a little bit higher than than other teams. And all of a sudden, the team goes, you know, we think he could be a starter for us. And the Blue Jays make a trade. So I think that that's something. Now that he's getting, you know, starting to go, you have to put on the old. Uh, the thinking cap of a GM and go, how can I maximize this guy's value? Because obviously, listen, it, nobody, I don't care who it is that's playing third base. You can put anybody out there. Vlad is coming in and taking the position for the, whenever he comes up, but it's how can I, okay, so that's the case. Let me look at it. How can I make this, this guy who's about to lose his, his job at some point, which sucks because he's a really good player. How can I make his value higher so that maybe we could trade him? Maybe there can be something worked out there. I think that Drury's going to have value to the Blue Jays even after Vlad comes up because we talked about on the last episode, Gurriel and the reset that he needs and when he's going to be back with the team and being potentially a second baseman. But there's a 
there's a whole area. Sogard has played really, really well. It's hard to say how long that's nerd power. Stay. Yeah, but the nerd power, man. There's something about it. Now, I I like watching Sogard hit. He's a classic, you know, professional at bats kind of guy. Great approach, good contact hitter. But I could see a scenario where Drury's playing. You know, he's playing third base when Vladdy has a day off. He's playing second base when there's a lefty on the mound. Maybe if Sogard's still going. So I don't think that he's a guy that they really want to trade. I mean, I don't know what the value is right now. I know that he has the skills. Like you said, he's coming to life now. And that's part of what I wanted to talk about, which is the Blue Jays' offense and the fact that after being just miserable, you know, not to sugarcoat it, they were really bad for the first couple weeks of the season. All of a sudden, we're seeing some of these guys swing the bat really well, and Drury is one of those guys. I mean, we talked about how he was just letting fastballs in the zone pass him by. He was leading the league in called strikeouts. Now he's showing the extra base power. Justin Smoke, ever since he got back from that neck minor neck injury, he's been incredible. He's been lights out. And then, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, I like some of the bats he's taken. He had a home run stolen from him. Yeah, Rob. All this, all this laser Ramon, you know, you can't get around that guy. But all yeah. of, uh, all of a sudden, this offense that I think a lot of people really thought was doomed to be bad all year because there's a lot of unproven guys, looks like it could be. And you know, I don't think it's going to be one of the best offenses in the league. I don't think it's going to be up there with the real heavy hitters. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, dreary, unwatchable. And that's what it was early in the season. It would, this team was borderline unwatchable early on, at least from a hitting perspective, even though the pitchers were doing well. Well, well, look, here's the first thing, right? I want to I wanna make sure that this is clear. Like, listen, every year, everyone presses the panic button if you don't start off hitting the ball well out of the gate. But as you very much know, and you've been around baseball long enough, some guys get off to a slow start. Some guys get off to a quick start. But as the season goes, they, be, they usually go back to being who they are, right? Some guys will be better. Some guys will be worse. But most of the time, if you're a 270 hitter and you've done that for however many years, you're probably going to be a 270 hitter. And if you start hitting 350, I mean, there's a good chance at the end of the year you're going to end up back at 270, right? And so, we saw that with Pilar the last few years. A classic got off to hot starts and then ended up being kind of ultimately what he was offensively. Well, and that's my point, right? So these guys start off slow. Listen, not everybody, these guys aren't going to hit a buck 70 all year. Like it is, I mean, it's just not going to happen, dude. It just happened to be that every single one of them, for the most part, other than Freddie Galvis and and Grichuk has had, you know, his good games. But I mean, Freddie Galvis has been the most consistent in that sense from the beginning. They weren't going to all be hitting at the rate that they were hitting at. These guys are These guys are going to be, major league hitters and they were going to get going and they were going to get hot and they were going to be right where they were. So for me, it wasn't like a, Oh my gosh. And it's funny because every single year fans, media, everybody still freaks out. If a guy starts hot there, everybody's on the team. If a guy starts slow, everybody's off the team, you know, they're going to be what they are. But the one guy for me again, man, that he has been just, I mean, for, for the time that he's been in Toronto, he's been phenomenal, is Justin Smoke, dude. He just continues to go out there and be really, really good offensively. All-star game. I mean, has has signed a couple, you know, signed an extension. Like, this guy is a professional hitter. He continues to prove it day in and day out. And, I mean, Minnesota, he hit some big home runs. Obviously, in Oakland, he hit some big home runs. So I think that that's one thing 
that has been a consistent is when you get that guy in the lineup, they're going to score runs. And another thing is, is guys are getting on base. Now that you have Sogard, he's been getting on base. These certain guys are getting on base. Do you know who's the, I want to say, second best team in Major League Baseball with runners in scoring position? The Blue Jays were first at one point. I saw that on the broadcast. Okay, so now they're second. They're second in Major League Baseball in, in with runners in scoring position, okay? And that's something for me, like, hey, the guys, if you guys get, get people on, I mean, there's something to be said about that, right? And so they weren't getting guys on is what it is. Now they're getting guys on. Maybe that's the MO of this team. I, they need to get guys on base, and then they can swing the bat because for whatever reason, you know how that works sometimes. Sometimes some years some teams do better with running and scoring positions. Sometimes they don't. Maybe that's something that they that's that's a Blue Jays thing this year, and hopefully it can continue it to go going on. But that's something for me. There wasn't a lot of guys getting on base. Now there's guys getting on base at a frequent clip. Now we're scoring more runs. Why? Because guys are hitting with runners in scoring positions. So I think it's a it's a full team effort. Obviously, that has has started to get these guys going. Obviously, Justin Smoke I think was one of the main guys. So I want to pose something to you that's a, kind of a chicken and the egg type of situation. I know that when I was, you know, when I was a kid and I realized I was not going to be a baseball player, one of the things I thought about was being a manager. I thought about how I always thought about like how would I write out my lineup? What do I do? Yada yada yada. And I always thought that I, you know, I would mix and match all the time. I would do it on matchups. I'd have one guy in the leadoff spot, and then the next day I'd put him at eight. And yeah, kind of like Montoyo did it early in the season. And I thought that that's what I'd like to see. And I always thought it was interesting that John Gibbons back in the day would stick to a lineup, kind of no matter if they were struggling or what it was, he would say, okay, these are your roles. Well, on Tuesday, Montoyo wrote up a lineup in the top five where Sogard, Galvis, Grichuk, Smoke, Teoscar Hernandez. And he stuck with those five all the way through Sunday, except he put in Hansen for Sogard in the final game. And I'm just wondering if you think there's anything to him finding that stability with the top of his lineup and kind of the core of his lineup and those guys having exact roles that they knew exactly what they were going to do and that playing into their success. Or, and I think, you know, if we're being totally objective and trying to be as logical as possible, it's probably more likely that the opposite is that these guys started to take off and then he just didn't change the lineup. But I, I just want to know from your perspective, if you think there's something to these guys getting a little stability because they never had that early in the year? Uh, I, I 100% believe that stability is a huge part of success. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that part of it was, hey, our team is hitting, this lineup is winning, let's roll with this lineup. I, I mean, I'm... I don't doubt that, that that was one of the decisions going into it, but I try, I use this analogy a lot, right? If, if I was a business person and I were to come to work and my desk is in the same spot every single day, and then I come to work and then all of a sudden on Tuesday, my desk is in a different spot. And on Wednesday, my desk is in a different spot. And on Thursday, now my desk is back where it used to be. Every single day that I walk into to work, I'm unsure about what the heck the, where my where my desk is. I, I, there's just a little uneasiness about it, and even that just little subtleness is not comfortable. And for players, if I were to tell you, "Hey, Nick, you're going to be my third batter, and you're going to be my third batter every single day," don't worry about it. Just show up to work. Let's go. 
you come, you don't even have to look at the lineup. You come in, you do your stuff, and it, you don't second guess it. And it makes a big difference as far as being comfortable. And again, when you're comfortable in what's going on, that's when usually the best work, performance, whatever you maybe call it, happens. And that's one thing that I think with teams where they, they jack around too much, where these guys are, are mentally like, dude, if I'm hitting third, all of a sudden I'm hitting seventh one day. I'm like, what the heck did I do? Like, what do you, why am I hitting seventh? And as dumb as people may be like, well, you know, what do you mean? Who cares? Like you're hitting seventh. It doesn't, shouldn't matter. It, it matters to people. It matters to hitters. If I'm hitting third, it's a f- different feeling than I'm hitting seventh. When I hit ninth my rookie year, it was super weird because I've hit third my entire career. And then one day I'd hit fourth. And then one day I'd hit ninth. And I'm like, uh, what the heck is this? What is this about? If you're going to hit me fourth, why are you going to hit me ninth? How does that make sense? And so stability is very important, I think, to the success of players. I know that they send the text message or the email out the night before with the lineup, and so it helps guys. I think that's a huge, huge plus that's changed since I've played. It really makes guys know what to expect the next day. Yeah, I think that you know it's it'll never be possible to measure – how important this is and for some guys i'm sure it's way more important than others i'm sure there's some guys who are just wired in a way where it's like i don't care when my name is up i'll walk up to the plate and there's some guys who you know feel especially certain positions in the lineup have prestige right being the cleanup hitter has prestige being a leadoff hitter being the third hitter uh in modern baseball being the second hitter i think has gained a lot more prestige than it used to have the way a lot of teams put their best players there but i think that a lot of these guys you know, there's something to not being felt, not feeling like you're being doubted. If you hit third one day and you go and you don't have good at bats and then the next day you're sixth or seventh, now you have to think is, you know, is my manager not happy with that? And I'm sure Monteau talks to the guys. I know that communication is one of his strengths and that's a big thing for him. But if you keep things consistent, then I just feel like you don't open those little doors for doubt to creep in with guys when they don't perform as well as they might. And that's going to happen. Everyone has 0 for 4s. Mike Trout has 0 for 4s where he strikes out three times. And if if you think you might get juggled after that, I think that that just allows the doubt to creep in a little more. 100%. I, I mean, again, I like it's, – it's tough to explain. I feel like with sports is one thing. But if you can explain it in for just the normal terms, right? Like if, if I'm in, at work – and I'm, and I'm the head of a project, and I do a project, and it's not good. And then all of a sudden, the next time, they, they pick somebody else to, to lead the project that I, that I usually do. Doubt creeps in. Like, oh, what the heck? You know, my, you know is this? What it? it happens with Major League Baseball players too, man. They're not just these, these people that are, like, emotionless. Like, it does. And it pride and all the ego, all that stuff comes into play when you go, like you said, you're, you're spot on. Go for three three strikeouts and the next day I'm hitting four spots further in the lineup. Like, Oh crap, dude. I can't. And then, so the next time I'm in that position, I put the pressure on myself to make sure I do what I need to do. So I don't go back down on the lineup. Right. Doubt creeps in all the time. And, but the difference is, is you go for three. Hey, don't worry about it, dude. Tap in the, in the tush and go, Hey, you'll be right back there tomorrow. And then you go on for four again. Hey, don't worry about it. You're going to be right back there tomorrow. There's something to be said. And, and again, you get the best out of people. When people believe in you and you see it and you truly know that they believe in you, you play with a sense of freedom that you don't have to worry about things. That's why I think 
you know, even you look at Tampa, that Brandon Lau kid, right? He signed that he signed that extension, and I was reading some things, and they talked about that they thought that if they gave him an extension, they felt like he would play to the best of his abilities because that he would be more free in his mind. And they and multiple people said, yeah, that's what they did, and that's what they thought, and that's why they think that he's doing the way he, the way he's playing, the way he's playing is because of. Now he doesn't have to worry. All right, dude, the contract's over. You're you're signed for the next six years. Just go and play. And then all of a sudden, he's more free. You can't do that to every single player. But those are the little things where comfort and just feeling truly, I would say, believed in can go a really, really long way. So I could talk about lineup construction all day. It's always been one of my favorite parts of baseball. But now we're going to speak to someone who deals with that on a day-in, day-out basis, and that is Blue Jays AAA manager, or more accurately, Buffalo Bisons AAA manager, Bobby Meacham. Uh, I like to call you a dream facilitator. I'm going to throw that out there because you definitely, <laughs> you definitely make, make dreams happen. And, and one of the biggest things I think that's cool um, is, you know, you get to tell these guys they're getting back to the major leagues or they're going to the major leagues for the first time. There's a lot of cool things that happen. And so I wanted my first question to you was, is, is there any way that you try to do it? Do you try to do it like jokingly sometimes? Do you try to be creative or do you think it's based on the individual? But are these things that you know that it, sometimes it's inevitable? Obviously, there's some guys there, but that you think, all right, you know, when I get to say it, this is the way I want to say it to these guys? Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely different guys, right? You think at least want to hear it different ways. So I kind of, you know, try to match the personality of that player. Uh, to what I want to say to him and how I want to say it to him. It, you know, a lot of times it comes in the middle of a game, sometimes, it, I mean, which is kind of wild to tell a guy in the middle of the game. Uh, a lot of times it's the first time ever them going up to the big leagues, and that's a special, I think that's a special one where they come in not knowing but hoping and expecting. And so you try to not build it up too much. You give them the message quick and uh, and then get, you know kind of wrap your arms around them, give them a hug, and make sure they know it's, it's a real thing. So, it, it, it goes different ways for different guys, and I, but every each and every time, it's a great joy to be able to do that. Like you said, uh, dream facilitator. That's a great. That's a great name, and uh, it's uh, you know, like you know, it is dream come true for for all these guys. Well, and, and I mean, I think it is, and and for a manager in AAA too. And I've talked about you know my experience in AAA as a prospect coming up. I think it was it was a tough time because I had a lot of older guys. Um, AAA can be a tough, you know level for for managers i imagine to manage depending on the way the team is you can have you have guys that are prospects you have guys that are up and down guys and you have guys that are at the end of the career and then the guys that always think that they should be in the big leagues like how do you keep uh you know that that positive energy for that level um throughout and i know you guys have a young team but i mean i'm, I'm sure you've dealt with uh -huh. stuff before yeah this is my second crack at it jp so it's, it's a little bit uh I, you know, I came a little bit armed a little better than my first chance in 1995 when I was, you know, I thought I knew everything. It was up and coming. You know, I've got, <laughs> I had it going pretty good. But uh, I this time through, I had a, a better plan. I think it just basically, it, it, the pattern I have right now is to make, like, make sure these guys know that none of us are where we really want to be. But that, the way we get there is, uh, is working our tails off and, and, and make no mistake about it, it is a lot of work with no guarantees. And so once we kind of, get together and, and agree to that, I think uh, it becomes a lot easier to, to help these guys to just work on every day improving so there's no doubt that, that uh, they belong there. So that's our, that's our goal is to, is to point towards 
not uh, where we should be, but where we are, and how do we get, how do we how we get to where we want to be? Bobby, JP, and I were uh, maybe you could say debating this before we called you, and I'm wondering to what extent do you get sick of hearing questions and having to talk about Vlade Guerrero Jr. just because he's become such a you know a media cyclone around him? People always want to know about his every single move, and then you're going to be the kind of the point man for that. So I wonder how that experience has been for you compared to the joys of, you know, watching an incredible young player develop. No, that's part of it. You know, what I do is, you know, hopefully, um, you know, spread the information around that that's necessary for him to be successful, whether it's to him or to the, the people that are asking about him. So I've, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and I think it's for a lot of people an eye opening. Uh, it's kind of a, a learning curve for all of us, really. But uh, me being, I mean, like I always say to these guys, these players here, I, I was you at one point, uh, not to the extent of, of you know, Vlad, uh, Vlad and the way he's uh, received all the attention, but, but at some point you have to pass on what you have had, you know, happen to you. And that's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of media, a lot of attention, a lot of uh, people thinking you're great. And, and it, it's, it's great at first, uh, but also in the midst of it all, we have to continue to uh, remember that these guys are, are players that are going to have ups and downs or some guys that think they're ready and, and aren't some guys that don't even know if they're ready or not. And, and so my job is to help everybody understand the process. Uh, not only the players here included Vlad is included in that, obviously, but the people that, uh, I mean, you know, but I never get tired of talking about players. So I'm, I'm, I enjoy talking about, uh, Vlad and, and Kevin and Bo and anybody, anybody wants to talk about, uh, and their future uh, is what I see it as, and hopefully they'll have a long future that goes along with, with uh, what they've been able to show so far. Well, Bobby, I'm glad you said that because that opens the door for more questions. Also, JP would like some recognition <laughs> that he said that you wouldn't be sick of it at all, so I'm going to give him that recognition. JP, <laughs> you were more right than I was. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of <laughs> questions about Vlad. Hopefully they're ones that you don't hear as much because we, we talk about how great a hitter he is at nauseam, so I'm going to flip it on you. I want to ask you two questions. One, what do you think his biggest weakness or development opportunity as a hitter right now is? And two, what is the best thing that he does from a defensive perspective? Well, from the hitting you know, part of it, I think the, the one thing that might, uh, he might stumble upon is, is trying to, uh, every hitter does, right? Every trying to do too much when you're in hitter's counts. Um, you know, three one, it looks like, yeah, I'm going to get that fast one. I'm going to hit it out of the ballpark. Um, uh, stuff like that. Or, or he may reach over uh, a little bit too far out of the zone to hit, hit balls that aren't his pitches. You know, he may get ahead in the count and, and try to do too much. That's typical with every hitter. Um, so I think that's his one, one lesson he'll have to learn as he, as he, as he keeps going here. When guys are pitching to him, um, go ahead and take advantage of that. But when they're behind the count and they're not going to, go ahead and take the walk. Uh, so I think he'll, that'll be the one test that he'll have to go through, I, I believe, not only uh, the rest of the time here, but as he gets up to the big league level. Um, defensively, I think uh, there's a lot um, that has to go into that. I mean, a lot of it being uh, being a third baseman, you have to worry about bunts. you got to worry about guys that might hook balls down there. Might, you have to worry about the shift where you got to move and play shortstop almost. So um, there's a lot, and there's a lot of know-how that goes into baiting a, a hitter into maybe bunting and when he – when you lay back and then take it away late or start early in and then, t- and then back up. So he doesn't bunt on you, but he thinks uh, you're taking it away. So there's a lot of nuances on defense that he has to, to know. Uh, and then to go along with that, just 
just pure mechanics of defensive play with your footwork, um, your setup, uh, your lateral movement. Uh, all that has to be um, addressed. Uh, it can be addressed at any level, and it is addressed at every level, every day, really, at every level. So I'm sure whether he's here or in Toronto, he'll uh, work a lot at mechanics of setting up and, and moving lateral, laterally to get the, the balls left or right. Well, I attest, I attest of uh, when you're in hitter's council, you definitely go out of the zone. Chicks dig the long ball. It's part of it, and especially when you have that, <laughs> that kind of juice. But um, uh, another yeah. thing, too, is everyone sees the stats, right? And I'm, I'm over stats and all that stuff. You, you get to see these guys um, on a daily basis. What, what impresses you about – because you, got, you have some really good – you know, Kevin's a, a good player. Uh, Bo, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a great player. You get to see these guys all the time. What impresses you right. that's not on the stat sheet, like about these guys? Do they come to the yard early, or are they this, or they? What, what is it about these guys that separates themselves? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing for me so far is that they know they know themselves well. Uh, you know, Vlad, when I talk to him about defensive stuff or or base range stuff, you don't have to mention a zillion things and kind of like hope he understands what you're saying. He, you can tell it clicks uh, when you say something uh, very. Simple in my mind, but if, if you're talking to a, a guy that's 20 years old that, that hasn't played in, the, in pro ball very long, it, it's kind of newish. But to him, it's it doesn't seem that way. It, it seems like he clicks it clicks in his head really quick, and he picks up on it. And he's able to move on it. Um, and I've noticed with Kevin and, and Bold, very much the same thing. And knowing themselves, I mean, just the way they talk about how they're positioning, how their how their uh, their setup is on defense, what they're thinking about at the plate in in certain counts. As I listen to him talk to the, those guys, talk to their hitting coach. It's, it's apparent they know themselves, they know their strengths and their weaknesses and, and what they're working towards. So that makes it easier for me to step in, as especially working the infielders as those three are, to step in and basically say, okay, this is what we're going to work on uh, because of this, is, this may be something that needs to be stressed or maybe deficient in your game. And so when I talk to them, it's easy for them to, to play back in their head, okay, I get you, this is why I've been doing it this way okay, I, I understand what you're saying. Maybe we can try something different or, or reaffirm what I've always already been doing. So I think it's just mainly the familiarity that they have with the game itself. Um, it's obvious they've watched. That's where you learn, really, and you watch and you learn and you ask questions. It's obvious that they've been doing it for, for, uh, for quite some time now. And so when, when, that, you know, when I tell them for the not the first time, I'm not a genius at this, but when I tell them for the fifth time that every other coach in our system has told, talked to them about on their way up, it, it clicks a little bit quicker because they've been watching and they've been learning and listening for, for a few years now. Bobby, I think that Blue Jays fans in general are maybe more aware of what's going on on the farm than possibly ever. I think that's just a trend in terms of what fans are interested in, but also because this team has these big-name flashy prospects and it's in a bit of a rebuilding state. I want to ask you if there's anyone on your team that you think maybe the average fan wouldn't know or people who are paying attention to more Vlad and Bo uh, might be missing who could make an impact with the Blue Jays sooner than later? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, I think, uh, now I know that uh, Jonathan Davis, his name hasn't really come up much over the last couple of years, and he's just starting out, actually after coming off an injury this spring, um, he just got here yesterday. But he, he comes to mind as one of the, those players that uh, kind of grow on people. Um, he's uh, not a big splash guy like his other names, but... Uh, but he's, uh, you know, I think he did a great job here last year, Triple A, after having a really good first half in Double A, and I'm looking forward to somebody like him building on what he's done. Um, another uh, one of our pitchers, uh, Jason, uh, is Jordan Romano. 
I, I always mix up. I always want to call him Jason Romano, right? And I told him that's going to happen. <laughs> but Jordan Romano, and he's uh, one of our pitchers. We got back after he won Rule 5 draft uh, you know, that some other team liked. It. Uh, but we got him back, and um, I see really good stuff um, that he, he has a great arm and, and has really good stuff that we're trying to harness and, and build into one of the guys that come up in Toronto and help. Bobby? Uh, last question, and we'll let you go. I know you gotta, you know, you gotta help these uh, guys get to the big leagues. But um, you said about '95, you were in AAA, and now you're, you know, you're there now. And I, it's some time in between. We like to talk about food in here sometimes, and I want to throw out there: how different is clubhouse food? Because this is what people don't understand too. <laughs> Back in the days, I had, I was getting McDonald's pregame. Uh, burgers before yep. AAA when I was coming up. How different is it from from that time to now uh, in the nutrition department and just the clubhouses in general? Oh man, night and day, right? We uh, we showed up and hoped there was something there. Um, uh, typically, like you said, it wasn't, and we had somebody run out and get us something. Uh, you know, like you say, Burger King, McDonald's, whatever was available in that in that vicinity. Um, but as of where these guys, they walk in and they know um, that. Uh, they've got people. They've got people that are, are assigned to make sure they have have uh, a good meal to eat when they get here. Something something light uh, before BP. Something uh, something nutritious to get them at, um, charged up, so to speak, to to get ready to play for the game. Play the game after BP, and they get something after the game that that makes sure that they that it's nutritious enough to keep their bodies going for the next time out. So. It's, it, I mean, we're, I'm talking like I've never seen anything like this. This has been the last few years. Our nutritionists have put out uh, meals and spreads that uh, I, ne- <laughs> I never got to see back in the day. So we were on our own, so to speak, back then. And these guys are, um, you know, they're, hopefully they're listening and watching and, and taking notes on what they should be eating based on what we're giving them here at the ballpark and uh, including it in their diet year-round and, and, and all day long. So that they can um, be fueled as best. That's our job is try to fuel them and, and give them all that they need to succeed. And, and that's what the, the, the meals are provided for them now is uh, that's, that's what that's the goal is to give them the information, give them the fuel, give them what they need to be the best they can be. And, and they're sure getting it now com- compared to what we did. We, we just kind of winged it, you know, the, the peanut butter jar with the, the tongue depressor in it, you know, remember the <laughs> knife was too small. Yeah. <laughs> you, had the, the, you had the tongue depressor, you dug it in there and, and hoping you know nobody double dipped with the uh, jelly, so that's kind of what we did back in the day, and uh, they got a little bit better than that. Yeah, no, I also remember digging in with the tongue depressor and getting peanut butter on your knuckles. So that's that's all. Yeah, yeah, part, part of it. Well, Meech, I appreciate you coming on, and I and I hope that you take on that that uh, dream facilitator because that's exactly what you are. It's a pretty special yeah. spot to be in. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, JP. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, yeah, I'll keep it. I'll keep keep these dreams going for these guys, and hopefully, uh, uh, I'll get to you know, talk to a couple guys, you know, these coming months that'll help get that first that first stop at the big league level, and and uh, it'll continue for years to come. That was uh, Bobby Meacham, dream facility. I think you you've given him a phrase that he's going to carry forward in his life for years to come if he stays in that AAA role. Yeah, but- he, he he was fired up about it. He was fired up about that that. Uh- that name but listen i don't think he's gonna stay there for long you hear the guy talk man he's been in the big leagues as a, as a coach for you know the last however i mean a lot of years if you look him up and you, you see his background so this guy will be helping in the big league staff either the blue jays or somewhere in no time but obviously 
pretty dang special. Yeah, I wanted to circle back on the Blue Jays. Just so much news to talk about. Even in a, I wanted to start with the positive stuff, so that's why we talked about the hitters right off the top. But uh, there's some, you know, some less good news on the pitching side. That's for sure. Matt Shoemaker, friend of the program, you know, one of the more genuine guys you're going to meet in the game. Just devastating to see him go out with an ACL tear in the midst of what looked like a pretty special season, where he'd kind of recaptured that 2016 form where he was an early season Cy Young candidate and uh you know you hate to see it happen in what that kind of freak sort of way in a rundown you know you, you rarely see pitchers involved in rundowns to begin with you know you could argue that was a bit of an execution problem but you know you never expect something like this to happen and that's just a huge loss for the Blue Jays and their staff and then on Sunday much less serious obviously but Aaron Sanchez having another nail issue yeah, apparently he's not going to miss a start, or at least that's the goal at this point. But again, now now that dark cloud of doubt is over the season for him, where it looked like he'd kind of gotten out from the shadow of the last two years, where things had really gone off the rails for him, and now that's just another thing for him and this Blue Jays team to worry about. So I want to ask you, JP, about what literally happens with Shoemaker, because that's kind of interesting to me. He's going to go rehab but he's on a one-year contract with the Blue Jays. He's, the Blue Jays will presumably support his rehab, and then he'll leave in free agency, or maybe he'll come back. Who knows how that's going to work out. How does that work when a player is out for the season, but he's only with that team on a one-year contract, or it's his contract year? Uh, well, I mean, you know, they have to take care of him, right? He, it's almost like workers' comp. He did, he did it while he was with the Blue Jays, and, and they oversee him, I'm sure. I'm sure that... At some point, they'll pass him on to a physical therapist and, and continue on going. But the first thing I thought about was, first off, I was super sad because, you know, we got the chance to meet him and be around him. And as soon as we talked to him, it was like, dude, this guy's wow. What a what an A-plus person. And then you see that happen after he had come, went off, you know, got off to a great start. My second thought was immediately, I hope the Blue Jays sign him to another year. Um, because that's something that I think that I would like to see is he was off to a great start. He showed the things that you wanted him to show as far as a veteran leader. Obviously, he showed that he could be very, very good uh, still. Um, I don't think his ACL, it's nothing to do with his arm, so I don't think his ACL is going to hurt his play. And I think you pull him aside and you say, hey, you know, Matt, I think, one, you fit in super well here. Two, we, you did really well as well. So three, we want to sign you and let's bring you back next year and let's run it back. And so that was the one thing that I hope they do with him because I think he was really, really cool. And I mean, even again, at conversations, I thought he was awesome. And then on the field, he, he backed it up. So that's, you know, that's what I hope goes on with, with Matt Shoemaker, but Aaron Sanchez, you know, they said he's not going to miss the start. So if he's not going to miss the start, that's fine. And, and I'm good with it. He's been really, really good all year. So I'm not too worried about it. Now, again, as this week goes on, if he does miss a start next Monday, we'll be talking and we'll be talking about, okay, yeah, I'm probably worried about it because this is a tougher situation. He's, you know, it's, it's back again and it's his finger and yada, yada, yada. But I, I, I just, you know, I think it's a little different. The middle finger, I, I, I saw that it was a middle finger. Um, usually when you're putting down on the curveball, it's that you're at your index finger is the one that has all the pressure. So I imagine that it was the middle finger 
with a sinker that was kind of rubbing off on it as he as that's the last finger kind of that releases that singer that sinker so again i don't i don't think that it's too anything serious to be worried about and hopefully they got him out of the game early enough that it didn't get too too damaged but again uh i really do hope they they sign that shoemaker and even maybe they can get a deal out of it because you know he was a little bit of a quote-unquote damaged goods but i think that he proved that he's he's really really good still yeah, I think the Blue Jays should be comfortable with the idea of running back virtually the same thing they did this year with him. You know, they signed him this year to a one-year contract. You know, he was an injury concern, and they got a, a pretty big discount on what he potentially could be. Uh, obviously, this has not worked out for them in a sense, but he did show what he's shown in the past. He works the top of the zone of the strikes of that strike zone with with his fastballs, and he and he works the bottom with a splitter, and it's just a really effective way to pitch. He st- clearly still has the stuff. It's hard to imagine his ACL being the thing that makes him lose his stuff. He's not, you know, he's he's a veteran, but he's not super old. And potentially, depending on what happens with Stroman and Sanchez, you might have some guys traded away. You might need to fill that rotation a little bit. So, like you said, it'd be really nice to see the Blue Jays run it back with Shoemaker. Sanchez, yeah, it's you can't be that much more worried than he or the team is, right? If they say it's only going to be, uh, you know, a couple of days for it to be fixed, so we find for a start. I guess it's going to be fine for the start, and you can't. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it's just tough when he's had to live with the last two years, always have to, always having to worry about it, and it just being something that has lingered in the background of all of his seasons, and it just you wanted to see everything just be as smooth as possible for Sanchez this year. And maybe it will be, maybe the, it'll just be this start. But when these things tend to creep up, uh, there's always a concern that they can recur. And that's what's happened with Sanchez in the past. He's had recurring issues and it's just, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a bummer for Sanchez and the team, but it's possible that, you know, us even discussing this, you know, two or three months from now will seem stupid because it was just a nothing thing. And, and it's totally over. Yeah, well, I mean, but we talk about, you know, the current events, and that's one of them. So, again, I, I it sucks, but I don't want to get into it too much because I don't know exactly to the extent of the stuff. But I, on the positive side, I, I mean, Sam Gaviglio, uh, Gaviglio goes out there and absolutely just spins the heck out of it, man. And that was a phenomenal – that's a great sight to see because he's been great all year. But, I mean uh, – then I go, okay, well, at least that gives us some kind of gauge about Shoemaker just went down. He went out there and threw, I think it was four innings. So maybe he can fit right into that rotation. So, I mean, there's a, with every, sometimes with every negative, there's a, you know, there's a positive. And I think Sam Gaviglio was a super positive. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no complaint about how Gaviglio's pitched this season in general, that outing in particular. He seems to be a guy who's, and this is the way baseball is going in general is just going more and more to his breaking stuff. And I wouldn't—I mean, phasing out his fastball is unfair. No, he still throws the fastball, but just at a lower percentage. One of these guys that's now not hitting that 50% threshold. Like, it used to be that if a guy threw less than half fastballs, that was unusual, like really unusual. And these days, it seems like there's a lot of guys, even starters, who are throwing 35, 40, 45. I, I watched Steven Strasburg pitch this weekend versus the Marlins, and he threw – and this is a guy that throws in the mid-90s, and he threw like six – I want to say it was close to almost 
60% breaking balls, 55% breaking balls. And that's an ace. So you're, you're spot on with that. Yeah, and so I think that's something that will be interesting to watch with Gaviglio because last season it seems like he came out and the plan of attack for him was kind of pound the bottom of the zone with that you know, high 80 sinker and hope for ground balls. And this year it's been a lot more the slider and maybe that plan of attack is going to help him be more effective than he was last year. I wouldn't hold out enormous hope for him. I think he's a guy that is, you know, he's going to give you some innings. I don't think he's on the brink of superstardom. I think that long relief role has been really good to him, but there, he's definitely showing something a little bit different this year. And I'm going to be curious to see what he has to offer. If he is in fact the replacement for Shoemaker, which they have not actually announced yet. So before we head out uh, today, we're going to do a would you rather as per usual, this one uh, I debated in the office with a number of people before we went on the air. And I, uh, I discussed this one with my girlfriend today and we came on down on very different sides of it. And that, Wait, we're going, we're going, we're going right away to the "Would you rather?" I wanted to, I wanted to get on the Tim Anderson bat flip. I know, I know, but uh, we got time to consider. Uh, okay, you want to go quickly, quickly? JP's like, I'll give you a quick monologue on uh, Tim Anderson's situation. Ready, set, go. All right, I think here's my thing. I think that you, there should be bat flips and all that stuff in in. A not an excessive form, right? I think Donaldson hit a home run uh, yesterday and, and tossed it to his dugout and like was like he stuck his tongue out and all this stuff. I think that's fine. I, I think you can't run across the catcher and throw the bat across the catcher's face to the other side of the to the field. I mean, I think that was a little excessive. I think if you hit a home run that's meaningful. You, I think that, you know, walk off home run, all these different things. I think that the, you should have fun being able to do it because I know damn well that, that pitchers get fired up and they celebrate when they strike you out. But if you do that, you have to understand that there's a chance that you're going to piss the pitcher off and you're going to piss people off. And so when they hit you, just walk to first base. I think everybody understood that, he, that what he did was going to piss people off. Maybe not everybody, but some. And it pissed that pitcher off. And he drilled him. And then he wanted to get whatever about it. Like, for every action, there's a reaction, right? Like, it just is. That's the way it works. And some guys may not care about it. And some guys may say, hey, hit it. If you hit it that far, pimp it. Because it was a far home run. And some guys say that if you hit it and you do that, I'm going to drill you. And that's the case. And so, go to first base. That's my only thing. Okay, uh, my small addition to that, I didn't have a problem with it, mainly because he directed it right to his dugout. It was like, we are as excited as a team. I felt like there was no showing up of the pitcher involved, and I don't like that sometimes when I feel like the guy's going out of his way to show up the pitcher, um, and he just went right into his dugout, and I felt the excitement was on the White Sox side. And that's what I liked inning, about that in the, one. In the, in the third inning, it was really firing up the guys with a third inning home run. Save it. It was a nice stinger. It was a nice stinger. I, that, I mean, that's the way. This is why I knew this this debate had potential to run long. We have a short amount of time. All right, let's go. Would you so, rather? Let's go. Would We're you on. rather? Okay. Like I said, discuss this at home and then in the office. There's a lot of disparate opinions on it. So would you rather have $100,000 cash or a $500,000 Walmart gift card. 
You can't use the Walmart gift card to buy other gift cards because that's bullshit. You, know, uh, you have to spend it at Walmart. I'd ha- I have to spend it all at Walmart, but can I I'm, resell it? Can I resell? No, it? you can't resell it. It's just about like then your I want hundred. I want a, I want a hundred cash, and I'm gonna invest it. I'm gonna buy a property and, and invest it and get rent out of it. Man, a hundred thousand for a property. Here's why I chose Walmart is because I feel like you can just never worry about groceries, electronics, furniture ever again. And even some of the oh, basic oh, clothes buy, stuff. You, you buy you buy furniture and all that? You buy furniture at what, Walmart? If I had a $500,000 gift card, I would. Oh, my goodness. I mean, uh, uh, I, I mean, teach their own, right? I'm just saying I would I would invest it into a property and or invest it and then have it work for me as opposed to because if you invest it, over time, it could be worth more than $500,000 over a long period of time. I'm just saying, if you have this Walmart gift card, you have such peace of mind. It's like, I never have to worry about food again. I never have to worry about socks again. I never have to worry about cleaning products again. They normally have pharmacies in there. Never have to worry about that again. Like Your life becomes so simple if you have that Walmart gift card. Like The only thing you have to pay for is... Uh, you know, whatever you're living, electricity, in your car, electricity. Electri- oh, which 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 ends up being much more over time than three hundred than half a million dollars. Man, this this Walmart gift card could do so much for a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money, and I don't want to be dismissive at at all. Uh, I'd love to have a hundred thousand dollars, but man, five hundred thousand dollars, so much peace of mind, just fill your apartment, house, everything you need for decades, decades of food, decades of cleaning supplies, decades of electronics. And they sell brand name stuff at Walmart. It's not like everything at yeah, Walmart's I'm not, trash. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dogging Walmart at all. I don't have a problem with Walmart, but what I'm telling you is, is like, I'm hey, just dude. trying to get us a sponsor here, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Walmart's phenomenal. I think you're the best. I think they're the best Walmart. I hope you're listening. Cause I think you're the best. I love everything about it. Except when the time that they kicked me out for uh, getting the paintballs and putting them as as hockey pucks and shooting the hockey <laughs> shooting them with hockey sticks, I got kicked out of Walmart. But other than that, yeah, they, that's not. probably you know I think they're within I, I their rights. Though. I didn't I didn't say I didn't say that I that they were wrong about it. I'm just saying they kicked me out. So if you had a five hundred thousand dollar gift card, you could just say you know here's the damages, and you wouldn't have to worry <laughs> about it. Yeah, well, I didn't damage that much. I, all I did was just a hit a couple paintballs that blew up but other than that it was pretty easy all right that's it for today's episode we appreciate you listening continue to subscribe on itunes spotify wherever you get your podcasts uh we appreciate you reviewing whatever be honest good or bad and hopefully you'll tune in next week